Welcome back into the mental game where this week's guest is NFL insider Ian Rappaport. It was awful because you spend so much time doing something and then you're, you get suspended and it's like, one, like awful. Yeah. Two, like, what do I do now? Like, it was really lonely and miserable. And in this episode, Ian opens up about his sports journalism career, which started as a college football beat writer covering Mississippi State and Alabama before making the jump to the NFL as a beat writer for the Patriots, then getting his dream job as the NFL insider at NFL Network. Ian talks about what it's like to be an NFL insider and get calls and texts from morning to night at all hours from NFL coaches, team executives, and breaking stories, but also getting stories wrong and the anxiety that comes with that. He also talks about when he was suspended from NFL Network and finally went to therapy for the first time. All of that and much, much more in this episode. But once again, if you're loving the mental game, please like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your family, tell your friends as we try to help everyone we can with their mental health. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I have my favorite shirt on. It says, Therapy is Cool. You can find a link to that in the video description and also on my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. But without further ado, it is now time for the latest episode on The Mental Game with Ian Rappaport. Welcome back into the mental game. As you can see, I'm joined by a very special guest in his home studio for the NFL Network. A cool setup, Ian Rappaport. Ian, I appreciate you coming on the mental game. Thank you for having me, man. What's going on? Oh, just uh, kind of waking up. You got me over here early <laughs> before field day with the kids. They're getting out of school. Very important. Very important. Very important. Way to be a good dad. You're off your phone. I asked you when you sl- uh, when you were able to be off your phone at all. You told me it's only when you sleep, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm never, people always ask me like, you know, when do you turn your phone off? I'm like, I never turn my phone off. I keep it on. It's always on vibrate. Yeah. It's not always on ringer, but like I will play golf and I'll do other things. I have an Apple watch when I go in the pool. Like if someone (laughs) sends me a message, I'll always see it. And the reason is it's much more like makes me much more anxious to not know. Like the thought of turning off my phone and being like, whoop, anything could be happening now. Like, I don't like that. Right. So I can always even if I'm doing something else, I can always be like, hold on one second. Let me react to this. Yeah. Or let me deal with this or let me break this or whatever it is. Um, that's much easier to me than like shutting my phone off and like having no idea what's going on. Yeah. No, we'll get into all of that. Um, you do a great job as an insider at NFL Thank Network. You. And I know you've worked really hard in your career. We're going to get into that whole journey here in a sec. But first thing I ask everyone on the mental game is what does mental health mean to them? And everyone answers it different, whether it's something that's personal to them, like me and my journey, or maybe they've experienced it through family, friends, or they've taken more care of it when something traumatic happened. But I ask you the same thing. What does mental health mean to you? I mean, to me, it's basically, I mean, I don't know if this is like a simple answer or not, but it's just like physical health, except it's for it's for mental. It's how you yeah. cope. It's how you deal. It's how you function. Um, it's something I'm always cognizant of. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very stressful job. I work a lot um, and it never stops. Yeah. And so to me, like my mental health uh, and mental health in general is basically like how I get from how I deal with the stress of my job and the anxiety and everything that comes with it mm-hmm. and being live all the time and being open all the time. I mean, I'm really pretty open on everything. Yeah. Um, how I take all that and still am able to function as like a regular, for lack of a better word, person. Yeah. Um, 
Like that's all to me, like that's all kind of mental health. It's basically getting your mind in a place where you can have a common normal existence, I guess. Yeah. And I, mm. I, I want to get into that a little bit because like we mentioned off the top, you have to be on your phone. You have to be checked in to see if there's a trade coming in or something happening with a contract, different things in the NFL. How do you balance being able to enjoy time to yourself with your wife, the kids, like, cause you are, I mean, it's you and you and Adam Schefter, top two dogs in NFL reporting. H- how do you balance that with work life? Um, I work very hard at it, honestly. And like, for, I would say for the first five years of me doing this, um, I mean, I've always had sort of all consuming jobs, right? Yeah. Like when I covered Mississippi state, I lived in the college town of Starkville. All I did was Mississippi state. When I covered Alabama, yeah. it was the same times a hundred, right? Everything I ever did ever was about Alabama football. Talk about experience, write, report, everything, literally everything. Yeah. Um, and then I came to NFL Network and, you know, within a year, they asked me to be our insider. And it was like a five-year climb, basically, of like meeting everyone, traveling all the time, building my sources, building my Rolodex, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and along the way, I had, uh, or I guess my wife, I'll give her the credit, had two small children. Um, and it was really difficult to like turn it off and just to like find time to breathe. Like yeah. it was, there were times like, you know, in a, on a random October Wednesday, like I'm working, it's fine. I struggled a lot in May, in June when I'm like, I should not be working. Like this is, a, it was just too much. Yeah. Um, so a couple things I did one, like as a family, my wife and I, we would used to say, you know, like, Oh, it's, Look forward to the season ending. Then we'll get to breathe. It'll be a little better. It's not like that, right? Because off season's crazy too. It's Super Bowl, combine, free agency, owners meeting, draft. Yep, that's a lot, and it's a lot of travel. OTAs, camps. I, I mean, it doesn't stop. Right, but like, really, the the calendar shouldn't be at the end of the season. It should be at the end of the draft. So, like, mentally, as a family, we took the focus off the end of the season because we'd be like, oh. You're done. This is great. And then you'd be like, wait, you're going to the combine? Wait, free agency where I'm not going to see you for a week? Like, it's a lot. Yeah. So we basically shifted our focus from end of the season to the draft. Mm -hmm. And now when the draft ends, we go to the Kentucky Derby, my wife and I, and I get to play golf and I get to breathe. And that's kind of when the season ends. So shifting our focus from end of the season to really the end of the draft, I think mentally as a family helped Mm -hmm. a lot. Okay. Yeah, no, it is a lot to balance and, and you always have to be on. Um, for me, like I always knew, I remember being 12, 13 years old thinking, all right, I want to be a sports reporter. Do you remember when when this thought, was it a dream your whole life to work in sports journalism or how did it come Not really. No. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, Are you happy? You think it's more time consuming this or being a lawyer? Um <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Both both are both are very hard jobs. Yeah, I guess if you get to be a partner, um, the stakes are higher, but you don't have to work as much. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, that seems like a lot too. I I really just wanted to write. Um, I like writing. Mm-hmm. I'm good at it, or at least I was before I started being on TV and not getting to write as much. Um, I was so I went to college to be um, to be a lawyer, and about a year and I started writing for our uh, newspaper, the Columbia Daily Spectator. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I liked seeing my name in print. I liked other people seeing my name in print. My face was in the newspaper. That was fun. I got to write good stories. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, and so I basically decided then, like I tried to get an internship out of college. Um, I got a job at the Journal News in New York, Westchester, where we mm-hmm. are now, uh, part-time because that was the only thing I could get out of Columbia um, and kind of started my journey from there. And like, I was very happy 
being a newspaper reporter. I loved it. It was a lot. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And then NFL Network came calling, and it was like the strange, still the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. What was that call like? Because at that time you were you were Alabama football beat reporter. At, at this time, I was the Patriots beat reporter okay, for the Boston, Boston Herald. Herald. Okay. Yes. So getting that call. Mm-hmm. What I mean, what went through your mind? <laughs> well, so it was really strange. So this guy Marcus Smith, who's one of the who was one of the producers of NFL Network, uh, had kind of coordinated like a couple beat writers go on NFL Network and like basically talk about their beat. Right? Yeah. So like I'd been on TV a couple times. I thought that was really cool. Um, and so he calls me up when we're in the Super Bowl. He's like, "Hey, you know, there's some you know executives from the network who'd like to meet with you. Do you have time?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I have time." Like, so I met them in a conference room. I'm wearing like jeans and a sweater. Yeah. You know, and sit down and they fire questions at me for an hour. Um, everything from like, you reported this. Why? How did you do this? Tell me about this experience. Like all journalism stuff. Yeah. And they finished an hour and they're like, you know, well, we've asked you a lot of questions. Do you have any questions for us? And I said, uh, yeah, what am I doing here? And they're like, oh, well, we're hiring some TV reporters and you're someone we're looking at. I'm like, well, I don't know anything about TV. And yeah. I said, that's okay. We'll teach you. And like, and you know, if it was necessary, would you move to Dallas? And I was like, for the right situation. Like, and I almost moved to Dallas the previous year for the Dallas Morning News. Okay. So I was like, I would move. Yeah. And so I left there and it was weird because like it wasn't, I mean, I guess it was, but it wasn't a job interview. Like I wasn't in a suit. I didn't have my resume. Like yeah. it wasn't like. You know just, what you're walking into. You know what I was walking into. And so I left there and I called my wife and I will never forget because I'm like, uh, so listen, like, I don't know what's going on. Um, but I think we might be getting a job and like, I think we might have to move and I think we might go to Dallas. And she's like, come on. I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm like, I know she's like, they interview a lot of people like this is relax. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just (laughs) telling you, I got a weird feeling. I think I'm going to get a new job. And then like three weeks later, they called and offered me the job and then we were kind of off from there. So like, it wasn't a goal of anything. It was just, it was still, it was very, very strange. (laughs) Was it, was it kind of just like a holy shit moment? This is real. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really, and there was a lot of those at the network because like being on TV puts you in weird places. Sure. Yeah. Like first time you really have to go live on TV. Like it's actually really scary. Yeah. Um, because, and I was for a year, I was pretty bad at it. Really bad at it. Cause like, you know, you're trying to originally, I tried to like memorize what I was going to say. You right. try to write scripts and people would say like, Hey, I saw you on TV. I look good. Um, but you didn't sound like yourself. I'm like, Ugh. so like writing scripts is, at some point, like, it's actually interesting. So Thanksgiving, um, I'm in New York with my family. I had, it's a Friday. I'd done a Thanksgiving Day game, mm-hmm. Cowboys, then Redskins. Um, and Rich Eisen calls me up. He's like, hey, and it's Rich. And I'm like, oh, Rich. And I just started the network. Yeah. I'm like, how, how are you? He's like, so, you know, how, how are things going? I'm like, oh, doing great. Like, I'm in six months. I've been on game day morning a bunch. Like, I sound great on TV. I'm like, things are great. He's like, listen, um, you seem really nervous on TV. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, you really do. He's like, and I feel like I can't throw to you, you know, come to you as I would want because it looks like you're nervous and it looks like you're memorizing. Are you memorizing? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I think you should not do that. Yeah. And I was like, it was like, blew a, your mind. <laughs> it was like a punch to my stomach. Honestly, yeah. like, I felt awful because I'm, but like, you know, you need people to tell you the truth. You really do. Mm-hmm. And he was basically like, you do not sound good enough and you need to figure out a way to be better. So we like talked it through and he was like, look, it, no one cares if you refer to notes. Hold it in your hand. 
put it under the camera, make yourself notes and just talk. Yep. And I was like, okay. And I did that and it was like life changing. Mm -hmm. And then I just talked and that's kind of where I am now. But it was like, you know, the first moment where you look at the red light, you're on, <laughs> it's no one but you. Yeah. And like, you start to sweat. Yeah, you're live. You got no choice. Yeah. And you, then like you forget what you're sweating. saying. It's like, oh boy. So anyway. Yeah, no, I, my uh, sports director, Michael Cobble, when I was covering LSU and Baton Rouge. He told me I was trying to memorize the script as a young journalist. He's like, dude, just three points. Just just have those three facts in your head and get through it somehow. And that changed, I think, how I did live shots, how I did packages. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, yeah, so that was, when did you come to the network again? Is that 2000? 2000. Uh, 12. 2012. Okay. So one year in Dallas or three years in Dallas, but one year as a field reporter and then the rest is the insider. When you take that jump to be an NFL insider, I mean, that has a different feel to it than a beat writer, uh, you know, a team reporter. H how do you take on that responsibility? Are you excited, nervous? Um, it was very, very daunting, but like I, I told them, I was like, I'm not, I, I'm not good enough for this right now. Like, and they're like, it's fine. Like do the best you can and catch up. And so I basically spent, they put me on the road for Thursday night football for two years. Mm -hmm. Every city I went into, I contacted GM coach agent who was in town, everyone. I met everyone. And like, that's really just the start. You know, you, you're like, Oh cool. I got people's numbers. Like I'm going to start getting news. Like it doesn't work like that. Right. You know, you have to build a base, you have to build a relationship. And so I had to build, basically spent five years building relationships and getting to a point where like, if something happened, I had people to call. Yeah. And then like another two years to where like, I'm kind of Friend. the one really breaking like yeah. on the forefront. It's just, it was very daunting, but I didn't know anything. So like I'm going a hundred miles an hour. Like I'm on the road for five days, really four and a half days. Um, sleeping in Dallas at our house a couple nights a week uh -huh. on the road the rest of the time. My wife has two small kids, like, you know, four months and a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I barely, and then when I was home, the kids didn't sleep. So I was never sleeping. It was like, it was a like two years where like, I remember some things, but like, there's a lot I barely remember. Did that take a toll on, I mean, I know it's, it's a dream job for you, obviously, but did, did that time frame when you're first getting used to being at the network as an insider and working that much, being on the road four or five days a week, just trying to bust your ass to be the best you can. Did that take a toll on you, wife, relationship things? I mean, it had to be a, uh, not I don't know struggles right where but it had to be tough to get through that. Um, I would say the relationship is really strong, and it was one of the the great things about Leah is if it's funny I'm like I see these traits in my children mostly in my youngest Jude. Uh -huh. It's like if 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 the context is good and Leah knows that there's a reason for what's happening, she's on board and great. So like she could tell. Like things were happening, right? Like I'd gotten hired by the network. They promoted me after a year. And like, then it's like, you got to do the job, which is the hardest part, obviously. Yeah. And so she, like, I definitely do not think this is where I would be if her and I were not married and she wasn't here. Like she's been a part of everything. Mm -hmm. So she knew, even though it sucked to like, you know, our, our, our oldest Max would, you know, he'd wake up at five and he was very like sort of needy, which is not a great word, but I don't know a different yeah. word. Um, and she'd call me at like 9.30, be like, I don't know what else to do with him. Like, she was hard. It was really hard. But she knew it was important for me and for the job and for the family to do everything I did in two years. So, like, it was hard, mm -hmm. but it was never hard against me because she was like, this is what you have to do. Um, yeah. So I think that part was good. 
um, it was just very tiring. Like I was just like strung out. It was just a lot. Yeah. You know? Did you, did you have any depression, anxiety, you know, set in? Did you like just with all that? And it's a lot of pressure too. Um, I think mostly it was like, you know, all stress all the time, um, anxious all the time and just like so worn out like mm -hmm. all the time. And that's why like, you know, I would, I would still remember the, the thoughts like this was before I kind of got, like I was saying before, like I've worked hard at finding my windows of time. Like now I play a lot of golf because there's not a lot going on. Yeah. And, like I need this time to like decompress and be like a normal human for just a little bit. Right. After the Super Bowl, we take a week and I'm like truly off. After the draft, I take a week and I'm off. Like, and my boss is doing an incredible job of like knowing this is hard and being like, you need time? Go. Like, we got you. Yeah. Um, so finding those windows, I think, was really important. But early on, I didn't have any of that. It was just work all the time. Right. Um, and so I like remember getting a text from a producer being like, hey, we have you on, you know, in, in say like mid-June. Or like early June, like, hey, we have you on TV tonight. Like, what do you want to talk about? And like, my heart's stopping because I'm like, even though it was only a couple minutes, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I need a break. Yeah. Um, and so it was either like, you know, be like horrible all the time or figure it out. And I decided to figure it out. Yeah. No, I mean, the TV life <laughs> is a grind. I did it on the local level for seven, eight years in the work-life balance. You're working nights, weekends, holidays on the road for games. Um, and you can do a lot of cool things, cool places. I mean, I did the Bengals Super Bowl run in 2021, interviewing Joe and Jamar on the field in Kansas City. was like insane. I, I, did, I had uh, Coach Taylor on the show two weeks ago, and I told him, I said, I know you have no idea about this, but you gave me a, like a hug at the 50-yard line. Like I did something to help you guys win that game. So you get experience really cool things, but the work-life balance can be tough. Uh, when you start getting in your flow of things, as I love this because it's, live you checking your phone i'm sure it's just time and kids yeah. and yeah. everything um were you what were you, these favorite big moments that you had like do you remember the first big story you broke yeah oh yeah i'm i mean it's funny because like you do this long enough and you know there's obviously a lot of stories i've broken and most of them i don't remember um the losses i remember mm -hmm. and very vividly <clears throat> why they happened and what i could have done like those losses i remember a lot the wins I don't always remember, but the couple that come to my mind when I was, uh, I was like 2000 after the 2012 season, mm -hmm. they were about to make me the insider. And my old boss was like, come out to LA, uh, for the day after the season, we used to call it black Monday when coaches get fired Yeah, and we haven't broken one in like three years. We want you to break one. Um, and I was like, set all my focus on that. I ended up breaking Lovey Smith getting fired. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it's weird because, like, it was a great moment for me and a horrible moment for him. Yeah. Getting fired. Um, but, like, I remember, like, breaking that. And, like, that was, you know, in the newsroom with everyone there, like, all my bosses there. And, like, that was a really big moment that day. Um, and in my career, because mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, I can, I can do this. Right. That's, that's, I can do this. Um, breaking the, um, it was, you know, it was, some of the ones that stand out when Deshaun Watson tore his ACL as a rookie, he was mm -hmm. like, had like lit the league on fire and no one knew he was injured because he injured it at practice. Yeah. And I broke that. Wow. And it was like, you know, 15,000 retweets, like <laughs> just crazy, know, crazy in like five minutes. But it was also like, you know, one of the worst things that happened to one of the great young players in the game. He's out for the season, mm -hmm. but it was like a weird 
sort of not introduction because that happened before, but that was the biggest it's ever been for me. Where like great moment for me, horrible moment for him. Like I'm not happy. Right. It's just kind of odd. Well, getting into that when you are breaking news when it's you know you, you do people getting hired, draft picks, whatever. But like a lot of the time it is coaches getting fired or you know players injured. How do you balance that? You want to report the facts, and you also have like in your heart you're compassionate, but two you have relationships with these coaches, players, people in the front office. How do you balance how you report it? Because you, I mean, it can hurt their mental health, obviously when it gets publicized that sure. wide, but it's part of your job to do that. Well, it's one thing. I mean, that's one thing I've learned is like you hit send or you go on TV and talk about it. Like it, it, it better be true. Like it is out there. Yeah. Right. And so like, that's talking about like anxiety. Like there are things that I can be a thousand percent sure of that I'm about to report. And I still will be like, check through. Checked all the boxes. You've called everyone. Like, because once you hit send, like it's over. It is over. It's out there. Um, and even if you use words like likely, expected, like that better happen. Yeah. Um, what I try to do is be incredibly upfront. And so there was, um, you know, I would say a really bad moment for me. I reported that the Steelers and Bills were close on a trade for Antonio Brown, which they were. Um, the trade did not happen because of. The contract situation, it broke down to like three in the morning, mm -hmm. whatever. And so I was right and then I was wrong. And all anyone cares about was that I was wrong. It was awful. Like I woke up to like 100 texts with everyone saying my story was wrong and, you know, I had to go on and explain it the next day. Like it was, you know, some of the worst I've ever felt doing this job. And it changed the way I reported um, because what I, because I called the bills, didn't get them and was like, all right. Moving on. Um, but now, like, when I'm reporting something, especially something really sensitive, I will call someone, whoever's involved, and tell them, like, here's what I got. Yeah. And if you want to, like, weigh in, you want to quibble, you want to discuss, let's do it first. Yeah. And it has caused me to lose sometimes um, because someone else will just go with it, and I'm, like, getting in touch. But, like, you know, life is much easier when you're honest with people and mm -hmm. just tell them what's going on. So, like, hey, like, I'm hearing that. Like there's been coaches like Doug Marone. I don't know if you remember this or not. When Doug before Doug Marone was fired with the Jaguars, I called him and I was like, "Listen, like, I'm being told you're about to be fired. It's going to happen after the game. And I'm going to report it, and I wanted to let you know." And he was like, "Do you have it from good sources?" I'm like, "I have it from very good sources." And he's like, "I appreciate that." And then went on at a press conference the next day, and was like. Thank you to Ian Rappaport for letting me know. And it was like a weird moment because like I did not deserve to be thanked for yeah. literally doing what I should do. But it was also like, okay, this is working. Like people appreciate when you're honest, even if the news sucks. Right. So like I will just tell them like, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I got. And usually they will be like, I understand you have a job. Go. Yeah. That's it. It's a hard like balancing act. Uh, check your watch real quick so we know what time. What do we got? 945. We're, we're so, doing okay. So how many minutes? We got 10. All right. Cool. Okay. Making sure we rapid fire through this then. Um, getting into, you talked about some tough moments with like, you know, the anxiety of, of sending out tweets or, or making sure you have those good relationships still, even though you want to report facts. Um, what what has been the toughest moment of your career? Um, the Antonio Brown one was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, waking up to that, my buddy Mike Garofolo sends me a text at like five in the morning and it's during free agency and we hadn't slept. And all it said was like, what did you do? And I'm like, what on God's name is happening? Um, that was bad. Mm -hmm. um, I got suspended. Um, 
from the network for two weeks. That was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, for violating social media policies um, in relation to a Manscaped ad. That was not fun. Um, and had to not work for two weeks and just be like, yeah. sucked. Watch everything go on without me. It was awful. Um, yeah, those are probably the worst. <laughs> those well, have been terrible. Yeah, well, I mean, was there, you know, just low nights or you, like what did you do in that? Like the two weeks that you were suspended, how did you spend those two weeks? Um, I played some golf. Um, I was miserable. Like I didn't like all the stuff. The weirdest thing is like there was a manscaped ad that you were in on your podcast, and then it just it wasn't. Was, no, it was yeah, it was a it was a manscaped ad that I did for Instagram um, that I had not properly cleared, and it was my fault. Um, it was my fault, and so it, it's it was awful. I mean, you know, you you like I was taken off the shows that day, and with no explanation, mm-hmm. and then I ended up putting out a statement like at like eleven o'clock at night because the story was going to get out. Yeah, um, it was actually about to get out, so I put out a statement and. You know, it was it was awful because you spend so much time doing something and then you're you get suspended and it's like one, like awful. Yeah. Two, like, what do I do now? Like it was really lonely and miserable. And like of course everyone else's life, you know, people say, Oh, I'm sorry it happened, but then it's like they kind of move on and do the stuff that they need to do and the network goes on. Right. Um it was bad. Um you know, and like if everyone would be like, you know, it's you know, in It'll go by quick and then everyone will move on. And I'm like, cool, but it sucks. Right. Like, it sucks. And so like I saw someone, um, you know, to talk to during that time. Um, and it was actually like, that was the first time that I had really done that, you know, mm-hmm. like um, just saw someone like that. And it was actually really interesting. Is that a therapist? Yeah. Therapist. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was really interesting because, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, very upfront and I tell the truth as much as I humanly possibly can, mostly because that's the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really someone who like, you really have to tell the truth. Otherwise yeah. <laughs> you're wasting your time. Um, and then she told the truth back. Um, and that whole process and getting to a point where I was like, oh, like, was it really my fault? Like I did not go through the steps that I needed to do to clear it. And it was my fault. Um, and the whole process. And like, I, I, I had several sessions and then, you know, when I got back to working, I had a couple more and then I was, you know, kind of moved on. Um, but I really enjoyed the experience of being able to just say whatever you want to someone and they will say what they want back. And right in that space, like it's totally fine. Like I was, that was the whole experience was awful, but seeing a therapist really helped. Yeah. And you can get a different perspective on things. Someone that's unbiased doesn't, I mean, they might know you, but they don't know your personal story. She wasn't, she wasn't a sports fan. That's like, how my therapist was. She yeah. had no idea who I was, what I did. Yeah. And I, I thought it was better that way because we just talk about problems. I'm going to ask you one more time. Yeah. We're at nine. You're good. You're fine. <laughs> just making sure we get stuff in. Um, moving on to uh, just back to your career. You get you know back on the show. I mean, the last few years, it's just been so fun watching you grow, break stories. It seems like every week, every other week. And you get to do fun things, obviously, go to games on Sundays, be in studio throughout the week, training camp through the summer. What's your favorite part about the job? Um, uh, I like a lot of it. Um, I really <laughs> do. Like, I, I, yeah. really, I really love my job. Like, I was talking to one of my son's friends, and they're asking about work and, you know, why certain dads do this. And I'm like, just find something you really like because you'll be better at it. Yeah. Um, I really like my job. Um, 
I enjoy knowing something before everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in high school, as the yearbook superlative, I was voted biggest <laughs> gossip. Me and my friend Deirdre were the two biggest gossips. Um, that's kind of what I feel like. And I really like knowing everything. You know, it's funny. It's like you get desensitized to some things because you know sure. a lot of behind the scenes and you yep. know that like some of, you know, it's like some of your heroes are not exactly who they think, who you think they are or yeah. whatever. Like I want to know everything. Um, I like that part of my job where like, even if you can't report everything, yeah, knowing it, you know, everything. And that's really fun. Um, I like breaking a big story. Um, I love the moment, like the 10 minutes before the draft, like anything could happen. You've done all the research, you've done all the work, you're about to be on TV and in like the most intense way for three hours and everyone I've talked to everyone by this point yeah. and you have no earthly idea what's going to happen. And it was so awesome. <laughs> so, I every and you can like and so the, what the NFL has done is like take it on the road, obviously. Yeah. And so like, you know, this time I was in Kansas City, basically on the stage. I was surrounded by thousands of people, and you can like feel it. Like it was cool. Like yeah. That's anyway. Those are some. And then the other thing is, um, you know, the the year's long. It's getting longer. There's more weeks. Well, it's, it's a like, year round sport too. But even like, like now, the yeah. season is like yeah. forever, right? Yeah. Like you get to the playoffs and there's like coaching searches, and that's so tiring. It's just a lot. And the Sunday morning of Super Bowl, when I first walk on the field, and I'm like, we are here. We're here. We, <laughs> we made it. We made it. I, I enjoy that, too. <laughs> I love that. It's all good points. I got to ask you this just because I think it's fun to watch both of you. But Adam Schefter and you, is there a rivalry between you and Shefty when you guys report stuff? Or Yeah, I mean, both of us are trying to get it first. You know, so, like, there's definitely a work rivalry. Um, but, like, it's... It's very cordial and professional. It's never personal. Yeah. Like I see him sometimes at events, say hello, chit chat, totally fine. But like, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, I would say there's, you know, we both, we both want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, the other weird thing is, you know, obviously we compete against each other, but we really compete against everyone. Right. Literally everyone. On the internet, you know, some player's about to get a big contract. I'm about to break it. He tells his friend who puts it out there. Yeah. Then it's news was broken. Like it's every beat reporter, every literally everyone so like yes there's a rivalry but like you're competing in so many so many people yeah speaking of personalities i have to ask this too because you hosted filled in for pat the other day on the pat mcafee show that i just love watching you two go back and forth because you get a kind of like i don't know let loose more than what you do on the network yeah um what's it like working with pat all the time it's great i mean it's exactly what you would imagine like yeah if you are out with him in a social situation you know, have a drink or two at a bar. Like, it's what he's like. He's the same. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons I like going on the show and, and being able to, like, you know, like you said, let loose a little bit is one of them. Um, it's really fun. It is like hanging out with him and his boys. Yeah. You know, like, that's what, like, I literally, like, look forward to, you know, look forward to those shows. Um, like, we had similar thing in Anvil Network. We had a show called The Insiders. Mm-hmm. Um, where it was like us in t-shirts talking about stuff. And like, I felt the same. There's like me, Garofalo and Pelissero just hanging out. Like, yeah. I looked forward to those shows. Like me and my buddies hanging and talking about sports. Like that's what I feel like on Pat's show is like, we're just chilling, you know, we're not drinking, but that's what it feels like. <laughs> um, and it's just like, you know, his vibe. It, it's, I feel like it's what everybody wants to capture, except it's just authentic and who he is. Right. And so I think he's, you know, seeing him get the success he's had has been really cool. Yeah, it's changed the game. And I got a uh, Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet's kid plays at my rival high school. 
in Cincinnati. So I, I stood with them for a few series uh, when they played Pat and Kirk were there watching Kirk's son play quarterback. Um, couple more things. Just uh, moving into the season, I have to ask because I'm from Cincinnati. Thoughts on the Bengals? Going to be really good. Yeah. Going to be really good. You know, I don't know if they'll be there at the end, but they're one of a couple teams, a handful of teams that has a real shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Mahomes is amazing. But if you take him, and I guess he's still, because of what he's accomplished, he's still number one. Right. Um, if you if you say to me, like, which young quarterback would you like to have? Like, Joe Burrow is one of maybe two, you know, maybe three. Like, he's he's a rock star. And as a person, he seems amazing. Yeah. Like, he's another truth teller. Like, I appreciate the guys who just say what they think. Yeah. You know, you like it, don't like it. Like, he says what he thinks. And I think that's really cool. Um, Bengals going to be awesome. Yeah, I had his parents on the uh, podcast. And that's where, you know, the big story came out of him paying off 20 kids' mental health bills. And his parents talked about everything he does with the foundation. Joe's a good dude. And I love what they're doing, supporting mental health and food insecurity. I know you got to run. It's field day. So last thing I want to ask. Okay. Uh, advice to a young, hungry, I guess you wanted to be a lawyer, but a young, hungry journalist, you know, someone that's uh, passionate about what they're doing. I I remember having an intern in Cincinnati run up to you. I'm like, don't bother Ian right now. He's like, obviously trying to get, get ready for a live shot. And he just didn't listen, went right up to you. You probably get that all the time. What advice do you give to younger journalists? Um, I would say a couple of things. I do, I do get it all the time and I'm always happy to talk about it. Um, even though I sort of feel like I sort of ended up in this accidentally. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. Uh, be willing to move, go somewhere weird, mm-hmm. go s- be in a situation that's uncomfortable where you don't know anyone, where you have no friends and yep. you don't know how to do the job. Figure that out. I went to Starkville, Mississippi, and then I went to Alabama then I went to Boston then I went to Texas. Like it's all weird. And when I went to Mississippi, I was young, single, Jewish, 24 years old, knew nothing yep. about a place uh, covering a team. I barely Sounds like me of. in Baton Rouge with LSU. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. And I had to figure it out. So be willing to move. Um, it's also the best way to advance is to go from one job to another. Um, read a lot. Read a lot. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you like. Figure out what you don't like. Um, keep your eyes open um, and try to like be honest with yourself because yeah. you know one of the best things for me was reading some of the great writers like Wright Thompson, Ken Fab, like um, Gary Smith, some of the really great mm-hmm. sports writers of being like, I am not good enough. Like They are better than me. And what they did with this, yeah. I could not do. So I'm going to steer toward reporting because I'm not good enough at writing. Um, Be honest with yourself. I think that helps. Um, And then the other thing I would say is, you know, just you never know who can help. You never know who can Mm -hmm. be a source. Like be like, I don't know about be friendly, but just try to make relationships like that's Be someone who people want to talk to. Don't be afraid to go up to somebody in intro. That's that's the I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, people people do this with me, too, though, like. We'll be at dinner and people will kind of stare. My wife will be like, you can come over. Come on, say hello. Like, it's fine. Like, just, hey, how you doing? Like, I want to introduce, like, be out there. Yeah. No, great advice, Ian. Can't thank you enough for having me in the home studio. Um, <laughs> I, I borrowed your lights, used my own cameras, but thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thanks we'll see everybody me. back here next week on The Mental Game. And that was an amazing conversation with Ian. I can't thank him enough for giving me some of his time. Right before his life gets crazy with NFL training camp kicking off next week, he will be busy on TV on the NFL Network every single day between now, the Super Bowl, the Combine, the Draft. 
You heard him say his life is crazy, but he loves his job, and I am so thankful that he came on the mental game and really opened up about his career as an NFL insider and his mental health. Next week, another surprise guest right back here on the mental game, and it is another country singer. It's one of my friends. I've known them for a long, long time. They're about to go on tour here soon, so I can't wait to share that conversation with you next week right back here on the mental game. (laughs) 